It's not the cannabis. It's good for you. It's natural. and gentlemen it is thursday november 19th 2020 yeah another week and the counting is still going on welcome back to the white beard and tk podcast today standing right next to me is myself tk is off doing her schoolwork um, maybe one of these days she can jump on here with me on a Thursday, but that is not the case today. And I am one of your hosts, Whitebeard, a.k.a. T. Anthony. Yes, if my voice sounds really weird, I woke up this morning barely able to uh, speak. It was so hoarse, so really weird. Um, the heat was extreme, and I fell asleep with the windows closed. Yeah along with a thousand other things. So here we are a week later, well not a week later, we're here we are a couple of weeks later and the counting is still going on and half of the local people, family members, friends, Facebook and everyone else are losing their mind. We even have the former president, first lady, the wannabe vice president and a few other celebrities and knuckleheads all saying a lot of other things and attacking black people who voted for Trump. We're not going to talk about AOC because we've talk, probably talked about her last week. And then there is my favorite of all people who, um, Whoopi Goldberg, who I'm just like, sis, you need to just go home now. You really just need to go home. And so where are we at? We are with some of these former politicians and wannabe politicians attacking black people and saying negative things because they were Trump supporters, air quoting, whatever the supporter means. I, I don't even understand what that word means anymore. If you mean that someone voted for someone, okay, so someone voted for someone. If you mean that someone likes a particular person, okay, they like a particular person. That's it. I mean, how much more support can you do besides casting your vote? I'm not there helping him walk down the street or anything else. So, I mean, a lot of terminology these days are just pointless to say anymore. It really is. It's, it's all so convoluted. And we're tearing each other apart over it. So, there you go. Um, you know, you can say what you want to say. But why should you call me all kinds of names simply because I politically have a different philosophy than you? because I don't think the way you think. That's insane. But now how many times I have said this this year, no matter how many times we talk about this, it doesn't seem to be changing because people don't seem to understand. I can have a difference of opinion in you. You don't get to say what you wanna say. Having said all of that, TK and I were talking just before this, we were reading uh, we were reading some scripture and, and a few other things and something else popped up and, and, I, and I got into as I usually do start talking and then um, I branch off in a thousand things it took me a while to get me back to where we need to go so she can get to her schoolwork and I can take care of some business today and take care of this podcast which more than likely will not be up at the time I'd like which would be 12 so I think I'm going to go with Whoopi Goldberg first I saw a clip in the video where she was saying, telling people to get over it. You people who voted for Trump, get over it. First of all, she didn't say Trump. She said, you know who. Get over it. When this happened to so-and-so, y'all said for us to get over it and we got over it. So you get over it and so-and-so. Let me tell you something. I hadn't mentioned Whoopi before. I should have done this a while back. But here's how stupid and hypocritical she is and everybody who thinks like her at this point and who says this at this point is just like um, all the Trump rallies that happened a couple of weeks ago or a few days ago, I'm not even looking at a calendar right now. The mainstream media didn't cover it. 
I'm not shocked because while stores, while stores were burning and a lot of other stuff they were covering this year, they went about saying it's people peaceful protests. I mean, what I think is a CNN guy who said, it's mostly peaceful, so then what's the other part of it? It's not mostly. They tend to say there's nothing happening over here. Don't pay attention to that, and that's what they want us to do, is not pay attention to a lot of this. But it's all there, and we should pay attention to it. So I lost track of what I was going to say. But my point was, while she's saying this, um, I remember very clearly, and YouTube is filled with this unless, you know, the YouTube gods went and decided to destroy and get rid of these things. I remember when the election happened and the girl who's been made into a thousand memes, she's probably extremely embarrassed right now. I would love to know where she is. The one who got on her knees and screamed, oh no, no, no. And the people who lost their minds, who went drinking and going crazy, cussing out other people because Hillary Clinton lost the race. And we're not gonna get into her conceding or not conceding and how long it took her to get there because you know the truth. She really didn't want to, and she left her so-called supporters sitting outside waiting for her to come out and just say, okay. And then she said some stuff that she said, and I already covered that already. I'm not going to go through that again. But the point of people like Whoopi and somebody else saying, get over it, we did this, that's such a bold-faced, fat baby full of diaper of poop lie. From the onset, she already said that man in the White House, that orange man. She has called him so many names under the sun except for his own name. And she has refused from day one to speak and utter the word Trump. And she said that she will never say his name. So when you talk about telling someone to get over something, she hasn't gotten over something for the past four years. And they're trying to make the last couple of months or so of the presidency, whether he wins or lose, when they're done with all the court cases and everything else, so hard that no work can get done. It's not over until the presidency is over, and then when the next year comes in, whoever wins gets to move in and do the other stuff. It doesn't mean that, okay, an election is over for the next two or three months that's left of the year, this person is no longer the president. That's not how it works. I digress. That's not the point. The point is, Whoopi Goldberg and her elk have never gotten over it. Never gotten over it. They've been running the lie about Russian interference forever. And if we remember the so-called Russian interference that they were talking about was the, 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 the evidence that was shown or the thing that came to light, the fact that uh, the DNC tried to cut Bernie at the kneecaps and weren't going to let him run. Didn't come to find out all the emails and things that was going on with Hillary. So it's like, what interference happened? Some things, somebody did some investigation, some things popped up and came to light. Again, digressing again. That's not the point. The point is when you start saying for someone to get over something, when you've never gotten over something, makes you look like an idiot. But because you have so much press and you've got so much power in the media, the normal person, the normie, is looking at you going, that's right. At the same time, overlooking the fact that this woman has said she will never say his name and hasn't because she hasn't gotten over a doggone thing. The people who've been screaming in the streets and pulling out their hairs and cussing out people for the last four years proving that none of these people have gotten over it. The ones who went burning down things and cussing out people and, and, and uh, uh, unfriending people prove that they have never gotten over anything. And as I said last week, contesting votes is nothing new. It goes on the local races, and I had to sit. I had to sit myself through one, and after and had to recount, hand recount, and it took like a whole day. We walked, or we worked all the way to like 9 p.m. from like 9 in the morning to 9 p.m. Just one district, one district. 
because the loser wanted to recount because they figure, well, these this amount of many people were voting, and I know that I reached these people, so how could the number be wrong? And I've seen I've seen elections overturned by one point. So please. She wants to talk to somebody to get over something, then she needs to get over something. And then you have the other people attacking the black people. Listen, I, I, this is something I told TK this morning. You know what, people are like, that's my president, that's my president. Then the other one gets a president, that's not my president. So your president's only black. Your president is black, but the other one isn't. I'm not even going to repeat that. You heard what I said. And here's how I'll explain it to you. I said... Just because someone looks like us doesn't mean they're just like us. I was on Instagram and someone showed me this article, or not this article, showed me this profile of someone, beautiful woman. Um, almost matching like my wife, natural hair and a whole bunch of other things. But you look at the top of profile and the first thing it says is atheist, vegan, and something else. I said, well, that's wonderful. She has locks like my wife had. She is about the same complexion as my wife. She reads like she's intelligent. It's all these other things, but there's one very serious, not one very serious thing, but there's something missing. She's an atheist. She's a vegan. I am not. Now, I had no intention of contacting her because this wasn't a dating thing. It wasn't an issue. I was just saying when you know when you're looking at them side by side, they look exactly alike. They look like they are just like each other, but they're not. My wife and I are both Christians, and we would eat anything. So in that relationship, there would be a problem. Because if I'm not a vegan, how is this person and I going to work together? It may be one of them radical. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, um, those people who are, who, who, who not protest. Um, one of the radical vegans where, you know, it's like I'm the whole animal thing and you even smell like a hamburger, I need to kill you type of people. And so that relationship would never work. And then we have the other part where this person is a Christian and this person is an atheist. It's not going to work. I mean, you may have some great conversation, but it's not going to work out well. So just because someone looks like you doesn't mean they're like you. And I've made this very clear many, many times over that the Obamas may have been black, but they were also very elitist. They were the elite. He was never poor. So how much identifying can he be with someone who live in a hood? The closest you could possibly get to is probably Michelle, who came from Chicago. And so there's that difference. And then the other difference is, is that they may be black and brown, if you want to add Kamala Harris in there, and any one of the rest of that elk. But they are not only that, but they are leftist, progressive people. I don't even call them liberals anymore. But they're leftist, progressive, socialist type of thinking people. That's what they are. They're not just black. They may look like me, may have the same complexion. But we are not of the same elk. Under them came a lot of policies that a lot of us are dealing with right now. Which is almost a great segue to get into the whole cannabis thing that's happening out in Pueblo, Colorado. But I'm going to take a break first and then just get into that. I wasn't going to spend more than 10 minutes on this and I've gone 13 already. So, he spent a lot of years talking about black men. Okay, dude, you had a problem with your father. Lifting up women. And a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, helping out with the gay agenda, uh, political speak, gay agenda, you know, all the different things, progressing them forward, getting them all the different things that they wanted to do. And as a lot of people understood later on when he left office is that he really didn't do much for the quote unquote black community. That wasn't where his focus was. And for them to think that because this was this black person getting into office, this African-American getting into office was going to immediately mean that you two had a connection is false. Now, if you are a leftist, if you are that elf, if you are those type of people, then yes, he's your guy, then she's your guy, then this is your people. But for me, that's not. 
So for people to just identify with someone for the complexion of their skin is very foolish when you don't really look at everything else that's under it. You got to get past that. So I'm not shocked that he would attack someone like me or someone else who has a different complexion than him, who doesn't think like him or believe in the things that they want to do. Feminization of men and boys calling what they do is toxic, even though it is not. You know, having all these different hashtag and people groups and putting people in boxes when most of us are trying to get out of a box. That's not what I'm about. And so I'm not shocked that Whoopi Goldberg would say something. I'm totally not shocked that she contradicted herself talking about somebody get over something that she has never gotten over herself. And if they think that, you know, when this whole thing is all over, that Joe's going to get near is going to do something great for you, you're ridiculous. That's not how that works. But if, if that's what you believe in and that's what you want, and that would be your leaning politically and talking about in government, then more power to you, you're gonna get exactly what you want and then some. So I'm not shocked that he would attack other black people or say something about black men or the other people who so-called celebrities say something because you know what? Just because we share the same complexion doesn't mean that we're the same people. And we really need to be very, very careful with that. And when you talk about in this country, people who are so very emotionally at attached to whatever, um, you're easily swayed, very easily swayed. I had a few more points I wanted to get onto that, but I'm gonna leave that alone because I went far past the amount of time I wanted to give to this because this was not the important thing that I wanted to even talk about this week. So let me take a break, take care of some business, and then we'll get into what's going on with, with uh, cannabis and Colorado. Now that we have your attention for the next few seconds, consider being part of our team. We'd love to expand our interviews and do more adventures and reach more people with a show that has something for everyone. And we can do that with your help and your support. A donation of any size that could be stopped at any time. You can also subscribe and, and like and follow and download and share this show with others. And if you have any questions or comments, or you just want to say hello, you can reach us at tanthonybland at gmail.com. Again, that's tanthonybland at gmail.com. All right. Back to you, Jay. Yo, what was that? I, I don't know. I, I always just wanted to do that. The True Cost of Marijuana, a Colorado town that went all in. That's the title of the article, which I'm uh, referring to, I'll be referring to. And I found this um, from the Epoch Times. It happened to be in my, my mailbox. I didn't subscribe to it, just happened to be there. I guess they want me to be a new customer, a new subscriber. So I was reading through, flipping through the pages because I haven't had a physical newspaper in my hand in so long. Wow, and just to pick this up and I hadn't been able to put it down although the days have uh, interrupted me trying to read stuff. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting piece. You might hear me turn the pages. I, I think I'll start out with this. Social experiments are pretty good, in theory. The problem with a social experiment is it involves real people. It involves real consequences. It involves good and bad, that being consequences. But the point, the real main point is that it involves real human beings. It involves situations that mm, may not work out too well. And then how does that look when it's all over with? Now, before I even get into, into, to, into Pueblo, um, when weed, Mary Jane, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, when it started to go legal, uh, we know the left coast, sorry, California, does a lot of weird things. 
So when it started, I was joking with my wife many, many years ago. I said, once they come east and they've come to Newark and they legalize this and come to New York, legalize this, I might want to invest. Because I see it like the old industrialists who built this country. The railroads and uh, the rest of them, the original Ford family, you know, building the, the Model T and, you know, getting the horses out and using the cars for horses. It's a pioneer. It's a pioneer. It's a frontier. It's something that can build. And you could probably come extremely rich off of. Much like the people who were making buku bucks off of it while it was being illegal. Not the little guy selling on the corner. He didn't make that much. In those days, we call that fast money. Because you made the money fast and the money went right out your hand that fast. And, um, you know, just like any other drug, people get addicted. It's not just the person who's using the drug. It's also the person who's selling the drug. Because they're both addicted. One's addicted to the money, and the other one is addicted to the product. And you can't survive without the other. And it becomes this massive circle that just goes around, around, around. So I told her, you know what? I like to be like the Vanderbilts. I mean, these other guys, and build a massive empire off of that. I was about empire building years ago. When my kids were little. So I was about empire. Like, you know what? We can make a giant amount of money off of this and just keep reinvesting and do. Um, and so I joked about it. And then as the years went on, it got a little bit more serious. I started thinking, you know what? Why not seriously do this? Would it be sinful? Quite possibly. Um, you know, there are sins. And then there is the, if you're going against your conscience, your own God-given conscience, then, yeah, that becomes a sinful thing for you. Then you ought not do it. Now, did I find some sin in this product and in this business itself? Not if it's legal. If it is legal, then you can do and you can get into this business. If it is illegal, and we already know that on a federal level, that is still a Class A drug. So on a federal level, this is still illegal. On a local level, it's a bit legal in certain states, not all states. I believe that New Jersey, New York was trying it a couple of years ago. I know it was going to open up some state-run uh, dispensaries. And I know New Jersey is thinking about doing it as a recreational drug. I think New Jersey may have actually passed that law where you can do it recreational. And then there's a the whole retail, which is the business part of it. So when you think about it, it's like, wow, you know what? There could be some future in this. But I start thinking, okay, what about my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren down the line? They find out, you know, um, <laughs> that Papa built our fortune <laughs> off of some weed. And so I laughed, but then I got serious about it. I'm like, what, how would I feel if they knew that the empire, that the riches that we had were built off of this? And I think that's where the balance came for me about thinking about this as a business strategy. How do I feel about it? And, um, you know, one way to look at this is that, is this business the new gold rush? Or is it the new oil industry? Where it's, you know, you can tap into this forever. I mean, we all know that marijuana in different stages of its development and product has been around for years, eons. So is it like the oil where we have fossil fuel from the fossils, from those, the dinosaurs and things that died and we've learned how to take that and, and burn that petroleum. We learned how to burn that and turn that into gas, into plastic and everything else. Could marijuana be the same way? Could it be a massive industry like the oil industry? And if so, how does this work out? Because with the oil industry comes other issues that we would have. And this is why we're all talking about renewable energy. By the way, I am all for renewable energy. I don't think we need to destroy one industry to begin another industry, especially if we are seriously beholden on this one in the other industry that you want to build is not quite there yet. And it doesn't have the infrastructure and it doesn't even have what it takes to actually run that thing yet. You can't just say, let's go all solar and get rid of this because if you've got no sunlight, there goes that. So 
I think pouring money into those industries are really, really good, and we should build them up. I've been interested in electric since, I don't know, I want to say the 80s. It may have been 90s. Now, I want to say it's the 80s when I first heard of a fuel cell powering a car, and I was watching how these things were created. I was like, that's awesome. And then many manufacturers tried electric cars, and they all sucked. Um, I think the, the best one that came out of all of them was Tesla, and now Tesla is pushing a lot of other car manufacturers to build better electric cars. Um, I'm all about, my daddy was a muscle man, Trans Am, uh, not a Trans Am, I wanted a Trans Am. He had a uh, grand, uh, he had a few cars, a few of them were like racing type cars. A Thunderbird, he had a Thunderbird, uh, not a Grand National, the other one from Pontiac, and a few, and uh, a couple of other cars. Anyway, so I'm a muscle man. I like the sound of an engine roaring. I like the power of feeling the car rattle, and you can't get this with an electric car. They need to do something about that. So Tesla pushed the market for car manufacturers to build better cars. So... In this industry, the marijuana industry, is like, okay, so if you went legal, now that means that there will be other companies that will compete and one will have a better product than the other product. And so the second go-round of me thinking of this would be a good business to invest in is when people started using the CBD oil, where they would use the oil, and I believe without the TXC, TXC, I think it is, Whatever it is, and remove that and so that you would use the oil in order to help people that had issues. I'm like, okay, now I can definitely get behind that. If not running a business myself, I could definitely buy some stock in one of these companies and I can get through them using it as a medical thing. I do take issues with just saying, we're going to just say, we're going to make this thing recreational and everybody can go out and do it and it's legal because how will you regulate this? We all know criminals get guns. We all know criminals find a way to kill you. If you take away the gun, they get you a knife. So, and we all know that when we are teenagers, we're breaking all kinds of rules from our parents and the laws that are supposed to govern us. So how do you keep these kids from getting this? And now people have are, are really moving from smoking to vaping and turning things into vapors. So... And it's easier to get that. So how are you going to regulate these things? So it comes with other issues that I don't really think that people are thinking about because you have the lobbyists who are lobbying for these companies to be able to do this. So for me, as much as I thought about it, I said it would kind of bother me to think that down the line, um, Vanderbilt, not Vanderbilt, who did the railroad, the first cut, the first, what you call it, did the railroad, the first family, I can't think of them right now, but you know, that that's a little different, to know that your, your forefather built all of your riches on the railroad, now we know that the railroad building was cutthroat, and they were doing all kinds of stuff, when they were competing with one another, as opposed to down the line, and my family members turn around and say, oh, they built their wealth off of some weed. Or cannabis, as we call it these days. So that kind of bothered me. And then, um, you know, I said, maybe this is not the business venture that I personally want to get into. And so when I saw this article, I decided to take a scan at it. And I said, whoa, let me finish reading this article. And um, it's interesting about this town of Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo, Colorado. And, and I see the issues that I brought up to you a few seconds ago, which was, you know, both the seller and the user are both addicted and caught in a cycle. So in this article, this, um, they interviewed a couple of doctors. One's an ER doctor, and um, it was an ER doctor, and I believe it was a cop. And they were talking about the problems that they're having out there in Pueblo, which is an increase in drug use. And it's not just from cannabis, but from other drugs. 
and you know people don't they? I don't you know I don't even need to get into the this is a gateway to that because almost everything is a gateway to something but my point is is that you already know you know those people like to say I'm just gonna have a drink and you drinking this and you're adding that and you're taking shots and you're taking a shot you're taking a boiler maker you're mixing the beer with the whiskey or whatever shot you're taking so what they're finding is that they're not just using cannabis, but they're also putting other stuff into it. So that's creating other issues. Um, it's creating a psychosis. I'm not even going to get into try to t read the word that this thing is is uh, um, creating. I forgot the name of it. But let's just say... I will call it the cannabis psychosis. And the problem that they're having is when the kids are coming into the ER and they've been finding that they're coming in a lot younger. The, the usual age is 17, 18, 19, but they've found some as young as 14 and a little bit older. And they have been coming in, vomiting, and the, the, the lady says in the ER, they're making these loud noises that's almost like um, apocalyptic because they're constantly vomiting and they're screaming out of pain. And because um, I wanna say it's akin to alcohol poisoning. I'm looking for the word so I can just at least uh, um, spell it to you, but I'm not even gonna to try to read the word and sound more dumb than I need to. And I want to say it's more of the poison because what's going on is that people are, 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 are taking more of this and then they're getting sick from it and it's causing a lot of other issues. The other issue they said they're finding out there in Pueblo is um, THC. And apparently, kids are now doing, what, did, what was the person she said? It's not dosing. Uh, I forgot the terminology. But the amount that used to just be in marijuana itself in the 1990s were like 8%. So the potency in what's being used now is like 85%. And because of that, it's not really regulated on how much these kids are taking. And even if you did, they're still going to overdo it, right? And so what's happening is, is that they're getting extremely sick from this because the potency of that particular thing that are usually into it, and so what they're doing is they're extracting that from the cannabis, and now they're making that in a way that you can do it, you can vape, you can do a lot of other stuff, so they're getting sick. Also, another big issue is they have any psychosis. As I opened up with, you know, but it's marijuana, it's okay, it's natural. So it's like, you know, trying to talk to these, these kids and these parents and try to explain to them that this thing right here is giving you this psychosis. Like, uh, no, you're wrong. He said one young person threw the paper down and stormed out because they didn't want to hear it. It's like, well, it's natural. It can't harm you, but it can. Even with, with alcohol, we all know it's already been said that, you know, in moderation. But who does moderation? And that's the issue. So you end up having more issues in that town. And the worst thing when I was reading from this article is this area of Colorado it's not a wealthy area. I think I was reading they had almost 170,000 people in that one area and about 70,000 of them are on Medicaid. So that's almost half of your total population being on Medicaid as their healthcare provider. And if you don't know, most of us do know that people on Medicaid can't afford other health insurance. Perhaps you didn't get it from your job or you can't afford to buy into something else. So you end up with that. So that right there is a small indication that it is not a wealthy town. The other thing, as you as you read into the article, you find out that, yeah, that's not just the indicator, but it is also true. That is not a wealthy town. And then when the mayor made this deal, the whole point was it was going to bring them some money. So that's just some of the, the tip of what's happening out here. But in this experiment, 
uh, what's the mayor's name? Nicholas something Gregisilar, something like, well, let's just say Mayor Nicholas. The deal that they made was, and the problem that the, the people in town are saying, like the, the nurse and the cops saying that, you know, they all thought that this was going to make a lot of money. Newsflash. The workers who work in these dispensaries, these dispensaries, make 12 to $14 an hour, 12 to 14 or $15 an hour. That's not a lot of money. Now, in Colorado, it may be a, in that area, it may be a little lower cost of living, so they can probably live off of that amount of money. You know, just eking by, just be a poor working class. But that's not a lot of money. Now, for the city itself, it's insane. They made a few, uh, I'm going to try to find a, the, the revenue. They have, who was it, eight stores or something like that that generated, here's the amount of money per month, in tax, taxes, $100,000 a month in taxes. Now, what the state decided to do was, or should I say the city since the mayor, was to take a lot of that money, it kind of works like it does here in New York City, where you get your... You get a ticket and that money goes to the city and then the city's supposed to use that to fix the roads. That's why you get your tickets on cars and every other ticket that you get, they use it for that. So what the tax money was supposed to do was take some of that money and pour it into the school system. There is a large portion. There is a, there is a, a sizable portion. I don't know how proportionate that is to the rest of that, that area, but they have taken some of that money and poured it into the schools for the infrastructure and the building of schools and um, just a few other things. So that's what they were going to use the money for when the taxes came in. So the state makes a decent sized money, but the people who work there don't. And the flip side of all that is the increase that's happening in the ER and people ending up with psychosis and the doctor is like, you know what, if this thing gets a little worse and they don't figure out what to do, you know, someone can develop schizophrenia and we can't fix this. So there's an increase of that, the revenue for the city. And the problem is, as I said before, they're finding these issues going on, but it's at the point where, what are we going to do? You know, they went all in and said, this is what's going to happen. I think they have over a hundred dispensaries in that area. And they employed about, if not fully, 2,000 people in that one tiny little area. And so these things have been springing up since 2014, and people were fighting to try to shut them down in 2016 and lost. I'm not shocked. Because if the city is going to make money off it, they're going to make revenue off of this, then they're not going to be that quick to say no. Especially if you know the area that you live in is quite poor and you want to bring some money in. And then there we go with the drug dealer and drug addict, uh, I want to say dichotomy. I may have the wrong word for that. But there's, there's the issue. One can't survive without the other. You can't make a profit off of selling drugs if you do not have an addict that needs the drugs. So you need the supply, you need the demand. You need the demand for the supply and then you supply it. So. You have the city that's locked into this thing that's caused them more problems than they wanted to. And they're trying to find a way out. I think it was a doctor who was saying, you know, it's going to have to get like the opioid situation and like smoking, you know, tobacco, big tobacco had these massive lobbies, lobbyers. And um, I, I listened to that radio, radio drama like my parents used to listen to when they were younger. And I have a few that have the original ads. And there's one ad for cigarette and it says menthol is good for you. And the doctor says you can smoke. And did they say something about pregnant women? The doctor says you can smoke and the menthol is good for your throat and help you with your chest and loose. I'm like, no, no, no. So it was funny listening to this thinking, wow, the general public actually listened to this and thought it was true. And it took them many, many years. I was in my 20s, so we're talking about in the 80s when they really started going out the tobacco companies and suing them for people getting cancer. 
because of all the stuff that's inside the tobacco, inside the cigarettes. So the person said, you know what? It took a long while for the industry to get so bad that people actually did something and it made a big push to change that. So it said, it's probably gonna have to get that bad with the marijuana industry. It's a big industry, but people are saying it's a natural thing, it's good for you, but you know, they wanna downplay the things that are bad for you. Because there are a lot of people making money out of this and a lot of people making a profit off of it. You know, one could argue, well, hey, if people get sick, then the medical field could make money because people need to come in. Well, the issue with another issue with Colorado is, is that with so many people on Medicaid, uh, one person was saying that, I think it was the mayor, could have been the mayor, who said that, I think it was a doctor, who said that um, they're finding it hard to bring in healthcare providers because you can't run a business off of Medicaid. Because with Medicaid is state and city, right? No, sorry. It's federal and, and state, well, obviously city's involved. It's, it's federal. So the federal is paying that bill, most of it. And then the other person's paying the other part of the bill. So, and which is the reason why when you go to a doctor sometimes and they don't want to deal with people who have Medicaid and Medicaid plus whatever insurance you have because they have to wait for them to pay them. I think it's like per month or they have to put in some paper to be reimbursed for the money they had to spend to take care of these people. So you can't really run a business if most of your clients have Medicaid. So you know why one could say what I just said, it's not really helping the medical industry, which shouldn't be, shouldn't be actually thought of as a medical industry. So it's doing a lot more harm than good. I mean, there is some good coming out of it. I, I did, I was reading an article about a guy who's an engineer who has a company, and in it he talks about how a few years ago before these dispensaries popped up, it was hard to find people you can hire that were not hooked on drugs and alcohol. And for him himself, you know, he knows other companies that don't do this, he has a zero tolerance for that. He doesn't care. Like, I don't care. You can do what you want to do. You can smoke yourself into whatever. But when you're talking about your workforce, it diminishes their working skill. So why would I want to hire somebody that's going to, not going to be able to be at their peak and do what they need to do because they're addicted to stuff and so on and so forth? So for him, he said it was like maybe 15 20% of people he couldn't hire. He said, but now it's about 50%. And so it's really hard to find a sober workforce. So, you know, he does drug testing and it's like nobody can get away because they keep popping up positive for marijuana. So it was like, I'm not going to hire them. He said, but a few people have lowered their standards. He said, you know, we've lowered the standard across the board, period. But a few people have lowered their standard where they're not even drug testing anymore. Because people will just keep popping up with that. As far as the drug testing goes, it's, it's interesting that when they take these drug tests, they can they can pull up the uh, the THC or whatever else that's that's connected to that in that drug test. But if there's something else that they're taking, it won't show up in that test. So I'm sitting there thinking, y'all need to change up those tests that you're doing so it can catch all of that. But anyway, we're just talking about marijuana testing. So he said for his business, you know, that's where his standard is, and he's not going to change it. Um, you know, but he said he's been there all most of his life and he has seen the good and the bad. And at this point, what he's trying to do, he's, he's decided he's going to stay. Just like the doctor decided they were going to stay because they're trying to change what's happening in the direction that their town is going into. He said for him, you know, he's an engineer, so he has a steel company. And so that stuff is working out. This so He's trying to bring stuff back to that town to help to build it up. But even though there are some good things and that's down the line, they still have to do with the immediate thing which is happening right now, which is the illnesses and the kids getting sick, the psychosis that's going on, and how this project, or should I say, like I said in the beginning, this social experiment is hurting this little place in Colorado. 
And when it comes to social experiments, people, like I said, they don't really think of there are real people involved in this. And the guy was saying that the, the potency of all of the things are a lot different. He said it was better when the illegal industry was doing it. But now that they have this, they have these new strains, so it's, it's more potent what these people are taking. Um, I can't see them changing this for the sheer fact that one thing that they mentioned was the amount of money, the amount of millions of dollars, upwards of like, what was it, eight? Off of the total that they're making off of this. So they're not going to put the genie back in the bottle because they're making more money. And it's helping out Pueblo as it is. So I can't see them putting that back in. And, and that's that's a problem. You know, it was a problem with opioids. You've given everybody this, given everybody that, given everybody this. And then you had a whole daggone generation hooked on them. Now you want to go back and put the genie in the bottle. And it's a little hard now. It doesn't matter what end of the cultural spectrum you're on, whether you're somebody living in a hood who was hooked on it or somebody who was famous or rich or wealthy who got it was hooked on it. It was, you can't really put that genie in the bottle anymore. It's out. It's gonna, now it's going to be hard to get people off these addictions. So, And in this case, this is that old thing. The dealer is just as addicted, addicted to the money as is the people who are addicted to the drugs. Um, I think I've mentioned just before, I may not have said it here, I've probably written it somewhere, where it was the same thing with slavery. And, you know, you built your entire tobacco, your cotton, and some other big industries off of free labor. We're not going to talk about the social implications, the sin implications. We're not going to talk about all that. Let's just talk about this very simple business model. The industry was built off of free labor. And so the capitals of that business or the owner of that particular business made money hand over fist. They made it with massive profit because you don't have to pay your workers. You don't have to pay their doctor bills. You don't have to do anything. You're making straight profit. The end of slavery meant the end of free labor. Now what are these people going to do? Now you have to pay somebody and it's going to cost you money. And I'm quite sure many of them probably didn't do their books right because if your business fell apart right after you had to pay people, that means the money you were making you didn't really use well, and that's why you suffered. So you can imagine the frustration of the people who built their wealth off of this not wanting it to end. The same issue is going to be happening in Pueblo. You're making a lot of money off of this industry of marijuana. Why would, I, why would you want to give that up? It may not be the only thing in that town that's making the money, but it is making a lot of money to the point where even the mayor was talking about increasing it and also having these, uh, what did he call them? Uh, these lounges, that's the word I'm gonna go with, with basically these rooms that people can go in and get high. So he wants to increase this. So there you go. Um, you know, there's another social experiment that's, go that's going to have a downside that people are going to be feeling the ripple with for many, many years. Unlike this mayor and unlike the people in their state legislatures and all the rest of them that was involved with this, when I thought about doing it, you know, when they would think about involved with this, they didn't really think about down the line. They just thought the lobbyists could go get them, lobby Washington, get them all the permits and yeses and things they need so they can start this business to make some money. I thought of my family generations down the line and how this will affect them. I won't be alive to see it. But though I'm alive now, it's something I don't envision or something I do want to see happen. I don't want to turn around and say, this is how we made our money. I would rather build a business or make some money, offer something else, 
even if it doesn't become a million dollar business, but I'd rather do it on that than do it on this. If I had oil, if I had a land that had oil on it, go for it. Coal, go for it. Fracking, I don't know about all that. <laughs> you know, for me personally, the, uh, uh, the, the jury is out on fracking. It's clean, it's everything else, but eh, I don't know. I like to have my corn. Taste good. <laughs> because there's a, there are a lot of issues with fracking and, and all those other things in, in that industry. So, yeah, I look at it as like, wow, you know what? That's kind of the idea that I was thinking that things were going to increase. Now, the number of these increase of these kids and the psychosis that going, it may not be such a burden or may not be such a large number, which is a reason why they are not rushing to try to shut these things down. It may not be a significant amount. Of, it's a huge significant number to me. It may not be a significant, a, num a significant number for them to say, you know what? Let's rethink this. My opinion, it is. And so, um, yeah, we really need to be careful when we sign on to things and to try to have a vision of where it goes down the line. Like I said before, you know, uh, Barack Hussein Obama may look like me, complexion, but he doesn't think like me. He doesn't have the same moral center as I do. He doesn't have the same political uh, ideology as I do. Whoopi Goldberg may have natural hair or whatever else, but she's not just like my wife or anything else. So when we do certain things, we really need to look at the long-term effects, the, playing the long game, you know, the long-term effects of what's going to happen down that line, whether it's in politics or business or in our own lives. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. As you can probably tell my voice, I'm starting to lose it. So that's it for this Thursday. Um, catch you guys tomorrow. TK and I watched Urban Cowboy. We have to catch up on you guys about the things that we saw a few weeks ago. So we watched Urban Cowboy. So it's going to be really interesting to see her take on it. Um, you know, the difference between Generation Z and, and me and X. So um, I'm looking forward to that discussion. So I'm going to get out of here. And you guys, again, I mean, you listen to this. You don't have to agree with me or any of that other stuff or anybody else. But again, like I said, we all need to recognize that we are part of this one race, this human race. And in that thought, love one another. See you later.